Welcome to another edition of Sounding Off on Soccer. This is John Krasinski, Pittsburgh Soccer Now. The Pittsburgh Riverhounds, again, keep finding ways to get the job done. So this past Saturday night, Highmark Stadium, they did it again. The San Diego Loyal came into Pittsburgh, uh, a pretty good team, really good possession team with some dangerous players in the top of the attack. Both teams didn't really know know that much about each other. They kind of feel each other out for a first half. But San Diego finds a goal. The Hounds are down one nothing. They go late into the second half, still down one nothing. And then two late goals uh, by um, Tola Shomi and then um, Ilal Osumanu Osu- uh, give the Hounds a resounding two to one win. Uh, come from behind when we haven't seen that really this year at all because they've been so good at getting the early lead and for the most part, except maybe a few times earlier in the season, holding on to that lead uh, with their outstanding defense uh, and organization and everything that Bob Lilly does has 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 done so far this season to get uh, one of the youngest teams in USL Championship to be playing at such a high level. Uh, and so even when they're not at their best, they have continued to find ways to get results and once again at home get a win. The win for the Riverhounds increases their undefeated streak to nine games now in the USL Championship and League play. Uh, and it stretches, um, that streak stretches all the way back to the end of April, really almost middle of April, really. Uh, and their last loss was to El Paso uh, on the road, a 2 nothing loss. Probably their worst performance of the season in some respects. Um, but uh, that combined with Charleston's 3-2 to uh, loss at Memphis, now all of a sudden red-hot Memphis, and the Hounds are now back in the top spot in the Eastern Conference standings. Um, so that's just the kind of effort that Bob Lilly wanted to see late in the match, maybe early in the match. He saw some things he liked, but then as things went on into the first half, uh, he, he saw some things he didn't like. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that as we bring Dominic Campbell, uh, who was our man uh, on, on site at Highmark Stadium on Saturday night. Again, once again, the excitement, uh, there was a sellout crowd, uh, more than 5,000 people. This is really unprecedented it's in the Highmark Stadium area. We haven't seen this, these type of crowds in Pittsburgh uh, on a regular basis. You know, we'd get a good crowd one Saturday night in the summer, and then it would be back down to 2,500 or 3,000 or maybe break 4,000 here and there. But and of course, the sellouts on Fourth of July this year, they don't even need a Fourth of July game because they've been selling out every time they have a home game on a Saturday night. So uh, a lot of credit to the Riverhounds staff, uh, the marketing department, ticket sales are up. But a lot of it, a lot of the credit goes to Bob Lilly for what he has done to transform this team, a team that a lot of people doubted heading into the season, at least in terms of some of the experts in the league uh, that follow the league. Uh, just didn't think that the Hounds brought enough firepower, enough you know, solid returning players. And you could say, you know, obviously Danny Griffin's back with the team, but he had left and that was a huge gap. Um, you know, there there were, we saw Alex Dixon and Russell Cicerone who are having outstanding seasons for other clubs leave. Those two were such a dynamic duo. Um, but Bob Lilly decided to go younger and wanted to build around the core guys that he did have. He wanted to build around Canardo Forbes. He wanted to build still at 34, 35 years old now. He wanted to build around Robbie Mertz, uh, who's been injured. He wanted to build around Albert Hikra, who's had an outstanding early part of the season, but now he's hurt with a with a clavicle injury, probably a um, probably a six to eight week absence. But you know, we haven't been given any specific timetable. Uh, all of these factors, Robbie Mertz hasn't been healthy the last really four games now, uh, and he was listed as questionable in the last match. So despite all of that, the Hounds, it doesn't matter. It just seems like whoever they roll out, 
they're having success. And it's because all these young players have bought into what Bob Lilly is selling. And the Riverhounds are now nine matches in league play without a loss. We haven't even mentioned the fact that all the confidence that these young players developed when playing in the Open Cup against Major League Soccer competition, um, beating New England and beating Columbus, and then coming up short uh, on the road against a really good Cincinnati team, probably the best Cincinnati team you know, in uh, that they've had since they've been in MLS. Uh, obviously, they're at the top of the standings right now, chasing that supporter shield. Um, so this is a, it's a lot of things are coming together for the Pittsburgh Riverhounds. And, but yet we're not even at the halfway point in the season. So while there's, there's plenty of room for excitement and enthusiasm and, and all of those things, this Bob Lilly reminded us after the previous uh, match uh, at home, the previous <clears throat> win uh, against Charleston, look, let's talk when there's 10, 10 games left to go. Let's talk when there's 10 games left. Let's see where we are at that point. Because right now they're going to be going back and forth and trading places in the top of the standings with Charleston. And that's now they've just jumped Charleston because Charleston lost to Memphis. Memphis is red hot. You can't discount Louisville City, of course, next week's opponent. Uh, they will play Louisville City two times in the next three three matches. And really what a stretch of matches that is. They're going to play Louisville City at home, then they have to host Sacramento, who has been the best team in the West pretty much. Uh, and they kind of affirmed that this past week um, with their with their win against San Antonio. So this is a team that um, the Riverhounds, they're they're not they're they're playing some really tough matches now. And they will see Memphis too at the end of July. So there's no days off, there's no weeks off, there's no USL two uh, clubs to, to face now. They're going to have to face the gauntlet of USL Championship. Uh, but it's been nice for them to build a lot of this momentum while playing most of their games at home. Of course, the one non-home game they played most recently was the trip last week on Saturday, which resulted in a 0-0 draw against the Oakland Roots. So, yeah, there's a lot of good things happening, but yeah, Talk, let's talk when there's 10, 10 weeks left uh, in terms of the standings, in terms of expectation for finishing at the top of the table, things like that. Yes, there's so much momentum, so much going on. Um, but before we get into some other things, let's. I'm going to bring Dominic on, and Dominic can talk a little bit more about um, that exciting match um, at Highmark Stadium. The fans went home, you know, seeing maybe – a potential loss or a potential, you know, disappointing draw turn into uh, a two to one win all really in the last last 10 minutes or so. All right, Dom Campbell, Dominic is uh, with me now. Uh, it, Dom, you've been covering you've back, you're on the Riverhounds beat now. We really appreciate having you covering some Riverhounds games. And, you know, I know you have the soccer knowledge you've covered a lot of soccer, you, you you have a passion for the game, but um, honestly, for you, what's it been like to just watch this team, uh, you know, develop uh, the way they have over the, this this season, and and for you to watch this really get firsthand um, look at the Pittsburgh Riverhounds franchise and Bob Lilly too, or just seeing what what it's like to cover Bob as a coach. You know, I I've obviously known Bob for a long time and I could say, talk about, it. but it's interesting. I'd love to hear your perspectives. I mean, they have all the markings of what a good team really is. I mean, they have um, a really good defense. Seems like anybody can slot in and do a really good job. I'm pretty sure we'll get onto that, but I mean, that's every good team has a solid defense. You can't, you know, be on top of the Eastern conference in the USL championship. If your defense is leaking goals for fun, you know, three games I've seen them. They've only given up two goals and, I mean, one was a bit a fluke against that Las Vegas team, which is probably the worst team in the USL. But I mean, a win's a win nonetheless. And then on Saturday, on Saturday they gave a pretty uh, tough goal against uh, San Diego. But I mean, they give a goal every now and then. But I'm saying it's like defensively, you know, they've been very strong, especially at home. They have a nine nine wins and one draw this season, and the USL champ. I think as well as the 
I don't know if it's just USL or they also have the US Open Cup in those numbers, but I mean, they haven't lost at home this season, which is a really big deal. It gets people coming to the game and you see how excited people are and how much of a great atmosphere it is for everyone to come and just enjoy watching great soccer down on the Monongahela River and Station Square, really. Yeah, it's, it's been fun. I can say that. It's, as a Riverhounds fan, it's been a good time this season. Yeah, this, this you know, you talk about the atmosphere and you know, you get there when you get there for a game first of all finding it's always hard to find parking when if you get in the lot like give us the parking passes to get in the lot but i can always tell like right away as soon as the uh i get there what type of crowd it might be and honestly this season every time you get into the lot you're you're kind of working your way through a lot of people um i kind of joke with ed thompson that it's it might be easier for us to let everyone get there first, all the tailgaters, uh, and then in the west lot, that is the lot that the hounds are in, and then kind of work our way up front. And and there's still spots up there, but it seems like they, they, they're trying to get everybody to take the spots when you first pull into the parking lot. But anyway, I don't want to go on about parking, but 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 the thing <laughs> is, is like you get the vibe. And this year, was many years I show up at like, 6.15, 6.30, and there's just no vibe in the parking lot. Maybe, of course, it's still army. You take nothing away from them. There's no This year, it's every single time you make your way in the parking lot, you can feel that vibe. Yeah, I mean, everyone's having a good time. The elderly, the young, the, I mean, everyone really. It's not just the steel army, even though, like, obviously, they're going to be there. It really seems like everyone's just coming out and enjoying themselves and having a good time. I think that's exactly what you want for uh, soccer in Western Pennsylvania, people to come out and enjoy a great game and come out and have fun with their friends and family and meet some new people. And I think if you're looking for something to do this summer, I mean, absolutely get yourself down to Highmark stadium for a game. I mean, park down there or, you know, walk down there, park somewhere else. I don't know, but you, you might want to go and check it out. Cause it's packed whenever I get there about six o'clock every, uh, every time I get there on 6 PM, it's pretty, the place is bouncing. I suppose I could, I would say it's, it's a very uh, lively environment and it's definitely a lot of fun to um, be a part of as well. And for you, I mean, you grew up in the Pittsburgh area. W- were the hounds on your radar or were, how did that work? Because I know you love, you know, so you're watching soccer at all levels and especially the highest of levels. But where were the hounds in in terms of you, the way you, you know, you became as a soccer person, <laughs> basically? Well, um, they never were really something kids my age talked about, but I, because they weren't, I mean, they weren't really weren't that big. I mean, they didn't get that high mark stadium until what, 2013. Um it's funny. I went to Pittsburgh Central Catholic, and they they had their home games at Highmark Stadium for a while, which is kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, I mean the Riverhounds have just improved over my entire lifetime. I mean, you know, I went moving to Highmark, and they've had big games. They hosted DC United in 2015 that one year, which was a huge one. I went to that, um, but they've improved so much. And I think with Bob Bully as head coach, they've been a consistent contender for in the playoffs. And that's, that's a big thing to keep fans around is to know this team's going to be good. And, you know, the summer is somewhat of a dead period in Pittsburgh sports. I mean, you have the pirates, but we know how they've been the last few years since 2015 and the river, river hounds are seeming to take, are seemingly taking that position as the prime summer sport and uh, some summer team in Pittsburgh. And it's great to see a uh, soccer grow in, in Western PA. And obviously there's other parts that, and better in terms of that development, but the river hounds being good is a huge part of that. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's talk about Saturday, you know, so there it's, it was, it seemed like neither team was, I think you talked about this in your article and in, and when you were covering the game live, just both teams were sort of feeling each other out, but that got dangerous for the hounds because they, they, they gave a little bit too much space away. I thought, you know, maybe Mike, Michael DeShields, you know, just he kind of slipped. He kind of fell. It kind of got beat. Really got beat on a nice play, um, but but you know, a great individual effort ends up you know biting them in the butt a little bit. One goal, but you know, like you said, once every like four or five games, if they, that's the one goal they give up, you know, I, I think Bob Lilly will sort of take it. But but what was the vibe there? Uh, you know, in the first half. A bit boring not to it was just a bit like there wasn't much going on i think teams are just the both teams are trying to figure out what to do and it was just that one moment like the shields falls over and then san diego player he just takes the ball and he runs down the field and cuts inside and just releases a wicked shot and that just gets right through the the palms of luis 
uh, Zamudio, who's now the Riverhounds goalkeeper, as Jamali Waite is in Jamaica with the national team. Um, he's done good so far. He did pretty good outside of that shot, but you know they scored, and it was like, uh, not really feeling too good about that first half. But it was there wasn't really much going on. I mean, neither team had really a lot of chances. Um, there, like the Hounds had two corner corners, like the, the beginning of the first half, but other than that, there really wasn't much going on. Both teams were just figuring out how to outmaneuver each other because they're both evenly matched teams. I mean, San Diego is still a good team. Um, so both teams were pretty matched in quality terms of quality. So it really was just so, sort of a tactical battle throughout that first half and then going into the second half as well. And Bob talked, I guess, at halftime uh, in during the, in the post-match press conference, you know, he talked about they, they, they really did need to just get no frills and just be aggressive and not, you know, because they were, he was concerned about San Diego's ability uh, to be dynamic on the ball, and they had some dangerous players up top. So he 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 talked about that. Um, was did you see that right at you know at the break? I mean, after the break, did they come out on all firing on all cylinders, or was it is still they need to every from what I saw, it just it looked like they still were struggling a little bit to 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 knock the ball around. Uh, but they were definitely starting to put a little bit more pressure. I think at the end of the match, they only ended up with seven shots. And three on target. Yeah, I mean, I really think the big uh, difference maker was, was Tola Shwami's goal. That 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 clever little back heel goal off for Marky Barra. He just uh, I don't know whether he shot or he passed it, but he hits it pretty hard. And then it's like Tola said in the post match. He said, you know, it was a little bit behind me, so I just tried to hit back heel it, hit it behind me, so I could surprise the goalkeeper, and it did. And it was a great goal. A Steel Army loved it right in front of there support in front of the supporter section and um but yeah that was a big moment because i felt like post that the riverhounds had tons of more chances and then eventually you know they capped it off with a victory but i before that there really wasn't many chances that the riverhounds really had that were threatening like you said there were only so many shots there weren't very many shots and most of them really came i think after that goal i think that goal really spurred the, the riverhounds onto victory well i i think it was danny griffin put a ball on a platter for tony lopez and lopez just oh, yeah. <laughs> like just completely even didn't even put it on i mean he should have had an easy at least put it on frame make the, the keeper but he just completely missed it and it, that when i saw that i was like this is just not their night and and you know this is a guy who hasn't played a lot now all of a sudden in the last two or three matches it started to come back and get some more playing time tony lopez uh, and then he misses that one. I'm like, geez, he's really going to be in Bob's doghouse now. Um, but, you know, they still they still responded. And the, the goal, like you said, from Tola, I thought, and I tweeted this too. It's like, it's it's a move that, it's, a, it's just a simple little touch that probably guys do in training, you know, all the time. And just to, to make that work in a game, in a, you know, to score a goal, just... It's almost like when you do that, you're guiding the ball. You're not even getting a, a solid, you know, strike on it. You're just guiding it. You're redirecting it, and it's exactly what he did. Uh, just fabulous footwork and skill work. Uh, he he seemed like he, I don't know, his responses seemed to be, you know, humble about it. But I mean, it it was it was definitely a, a brilliant piece of skills uh, to to be able to do that yeah i mean toll is a really good player i think he might not look the most uh athletic out there but he's very he's tall he's got a lot of size on him so he's he's able to move around with the ball and sort of shoot off opponents but he doesn't have the he's not the quickest player out there so right. some people might um underestimate him in terms of that but he's very good on the ball his his footwork is great like that goal like most forwards aren't scoring that even if they are talented it takes a lot of confidence and a lot of uh I suppose gall to go and attempt that, but I mean, he does it so well. It is a really good goal. He could have like weakly touched it, but he gets a good, good touch on that back heel. And it really is a great goal. And he really held the, he did a great job against the San, San Diego. Most of the game, especially towards the, I mean, it gets, he gets subbed off in like the 82nd minute, I think. But prior to that, I mean, he was pushing the ball up, trying to get everyone moving. He's done really well in place of uh, Albert Dequa has been injured for the past uh, month and a half, I think. Right. It's amazing, right? Next man up and Bob Lilly just seems to produce players that are just going to do what they need to do. Um, and what's interesting, too, is Tola struggled a lot early in the season in terms of just being able to put 
sometimes some sitters away. He just couldn't finish. And so to see this confidence to the point where now he's scoring goals like that. I mean, there was a play in the match before against San Diego. And I think Burke Falling sent him a ball near near the near post, at the near post. And he tried something very similar. It was interesting. If you if you go back and watch the, the, the Oakland match, he tried something very similar. So he's trying things up there. He's he's playing with confidence. Uh, and that that'll do, even he finally broke through and got his goal again in the open cup match. And now he's, you know, that's what you want your forwards to do. You want them to be creative. And it's interesting how you describe that in terms of his ability. I think Bob Lilly sees something in a player like that to be able, you know, very young player. You know, he doesn't really get too much of a look from MLS. And this is his opportunity to shine and he struggled early in the season but again he's a kind of the prototype of this young player that needs some time to develop and learn and now he's getting he's had a, he's had opportunities and he, he's making a count yeah i mean in college he's a good player i think he was like american east player of the year in 2021 he scored a lot of goals for new hampshire so he was, he was a good college player i remember him when i was covering pitches watching some of his highlights he's a very good player um and he's done well so far his last few games, three goals in his last four games. He scored against Cincinnati in the, people would say garbage time, but it was a nice goal. You know, he did yeah. score. And, I mean, despite the loss, I mean, he can't say, well, I scored against an MLS opponent. He probably should have scored against Columbus, too. They had that really great chance to double the lead for the, the Hounds at home and that great win. And he's been a really important part. I mean, losing your star forward, you scored like nine of your first ten goals of the USL championship season and most teams would probably crumble, but the river hounds have continued to find different players and Polish one being his first season in professional soccer out of New Hampshire has been great. And I think you have to give credit to Bob Lilly on that because um, toll has been great and you need to be able to give good players a year in and year out in the USL championship the rosters change so much that you really have to keep re- reloading every single season and, Bob Lilly seems to do that. And the players he's gotten this season, not just Tola, but other players as well have been great so far. Yeah. So after that goal, it, a lot, and I've been at Highmark Stadium plenty of times, it's like if when they're kind of down and out and they score a goal, you know, the place really does come alive. And, and I'm sure that was the case again on Saturday. Yeah. People finally got more into the game a little bit more. People were kind of just like, eh, sort of in a lull, but then that goal gets you back into it. You now have a chance to go and win. And, like you said, Tony Lopez had a few chances. I thought his misses were going to be the end of it, but I mean, fans were really into it. They were really cheering the team on and trying to give them any sort of inspiration they could to keep going. And defensively, the Hounds really just stood strong. I mean, I don't really remember the Loyal having many opportunities in that second half, and particularly not after they scored a goal. The Riverhounds scored a goal. There wasn't Zamudio wasn't really fighting for his life at, at the keeper position. He was more so just pretty calm and cool, and so were the rest of the defenders, even with. The Shields went off, and then um, unfortunately Nathan DeSantos, who's been really good this season, went off too. Hopefully he's uh he'll be healthy for this uh, weekend. He'll they'll absolutely need a player like him. But um, yeah, did, I mean defensively, the I yeah. mean, did Bob? Did anybody ask Bob about his injury? No, no one asked him. I don't think there was much about it. He didn't seem really good when he went off. He looked like he couldn't really go on. He like they, he he went on for like a minute, and then obviously was clearly too injured, and then he came off. Um. So yeah, not a good loss for the Hounds, but they have been able to re- reload at the defensive defensively. So we'll see how they do going forward without with his absence potentially this weekend. And that second goal, you know, obviously the game winner, um, Osumanu. I mean, great ball in uh, too uh, on the service. I guess it was Falling who sent the ball in. Um, you know, it, that's just the thing with this club. Like it just seems like next man up. Somebody else is going to step up. Somebody else is getting get, get in there. And how interesting on a night when Nate Dos Santos, you know, former Marshall Thundering Herd, who was really huge impact in that national championship team a few years back, and Osumano is the guy he replaced in in at Marshall basically. And and but they were they were close. And they, you know he he Nate has talked about Osumano being someone who he's looked up to and as somebody that kind of brought you know, was there as kind of a leader when he first got the Marshall. And now Osamanu comes to the Hounds, kind of a late signing this year uh, with the Hounds. And he's, 
really hasn't played much except for the last few games. And he comes on and a guy who, you know, I think he, he has a lot of assets that he can, he can bring to the table. Uh, he's also one of those kind of like two way players guy that can play maybe that holding midfield spot, but also can come back and play center back. He can play a defensive, you know, an outside back if he has to. Um, what were your impressions from him on Saturday? And, and then of course, talk about the goal a little bit. Well, I mean, he did pretty well. I mean, I, I think it was his first game since the Rio Grande Valley match in, I think, two months ago in April, I think. So he really hasn't had that opportunity. So he said post-match, he was like, you know, I had an opportunity. I had to take it because I haven't played in so long. It's not like he's been injured. You just haven't had a chance. You know, defensively, the Hounds have been very good. So when you get a chance, you have to take it. And he really does. I mean, defensively did pretty well. Didn't really notice any mistakes from him. And then in that goal, he's just – he basically said, well, I wasn't supposed to be up there, but I was. And then I basically, and then I just knew where the ball was going to be, and I just put my head on it. And he, it was a great goal. Fans went wild, and it really solidified a great come from behind win. The first for the Hounds in over a year. I think the last time they did it was in July 2022 against Hartford Athletic. They were down one 0 and they came back and won that game two one. So big, big win for the Hounds. And um, Osamano was an incredible part of it. And again, showing how Bob Lilly is able to use his uh, substitutes and reserves to really just get wins and just keep everyone on the team and understanding what the mission is to get the victory. And he wasn't uh, as talkative Saturday, huh, Bob? He kept his, his post-match comments, I think under 15 minutes, which uh, yeah. he, he was probably uh, pretty spent when, when they scored the goal, it looked like, I don't know what was going on. So they ran back towards the bench and he was in the middle of it and he kept holding up his hand five, I think he was like trying to tell everybody, hey guys, we got five more minutes to stop it yeah. or something, you know, Bob being Bob, like he's just focused on the next task at hand. But, um, but yeah, did, did, did he have anything say about, you know, that, you know, just kind of the excitement of, of coming from behind. I, I did get, hear some of those comments, but in terms of, I mean, he was more really focused on like the next the next game. Like he's just so like you said, he's just so focused on the next task in hand. I mean, but especially I'm not really blame him. I mean, you got Louisville City FC in the next two of the next three matches, Saturday and then um not the next week, but the week after, I think at some point they'll play I think it might be midweek they'll be playing in Louisville. So massive games against one of the best teams in the conference and in USL championship as a whole. But um I mean he was pretty happy with the win, but um probably wished it wasn't so uh so late on, I'm pretty sure he wished the team would have probably started playing a bit more attacking earlier on and tried to do that. But I mean, he can't follow his players for getting the win in the end. They really did pull this together when they needed to most and they get that victory. I mean, um, but yeah, I mean, he was just like, you know, we've just been doing this all year. We've been able to put players in and just they're able to succeed and fill roles when needed. And that's why we've been so, you know, been really good this year, even with players injured and, you know. Basically, what we've been saying, and just that's that's what he really was really harping on in post game. Of course, and you know Louisville City will be definitely a tough challenge, and you know this is a team that's a little bit further behind down in the standings than we really may have even anticipated uh, going into the se- uh, this at this point the season. But like I said earlier, there's a lot of season left. They're not even at the I think they're not even at the halfway, or they're right at the halfway point, and that it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Uh, in this league and in any professional soccer league, this is, it, it's going to take, uh, you know, they're going to have to battle through some of these injuries. Now, if Dos Santos is out, you, Mertz has been nursing a bad foot, you know, Dequa and of course, Jamali Waite being gone probably through the second, at least to the second, maybe even past the second Louisville game or even not until the middle of July. So I found it very interesting that they went out, even though they had two keepers on their roster, that they went out, uh, they went out and picked up a you know a goalkeeper, um, you know in 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 Zamudio, and um, th- that was an interesting pickup for the Hounds. And I thought he played pretty well the last couple of games. I don't know what you thought about him on Saturday. Well, like I said, he tried to make a pretty impressive save against that one goal and, you know, just a bit too powerful. But, I mean, he did stretch out all the way to get it. You can't fault him for that. It's just yeah. a little strong. Yeah. But, I mean, he was pretty good. I mean, no glaring errors. Really just a pretty solid goalkeeper. And um, Lily said post-match, you know, we watched him play at Loudoun United, which is the um, the last remaining MLS reserve side in the U.S. Championship, D.C. United. And 
he is the DC United third reserve, their third goalkeeper. So if he, he could be recalled, but for the moment he'll be a part of the river hounds. But again, most teams work with three goalkeepers. So um, him getting the chance to play is probably something that DC United wants. And obviously for the river hounds, he's a good goalkeeper and they want him to play. So um, yeah, he's been pretty good so far on um, big test next the Saturday, but I mean, I'm pretty sure he'll be ready for it. He's been in the USL before he knows what's expected of him. Yeah. And, you know, Dom, you've covered Pitt a lot, you know, in recent years, the, the Pitt soccer teams. And I think Kiza wasn't even in the 18, this, this game, which was interesting. Tony Lopez is basically the backup forward, um, which there wasn't, I mean, they didn't even have, I mean, Bob said, you know, we're very, very thin uh, when it comes to that position. Uh, Hedy, I mean, it, even when Dequa was kind of questionable. And then, of course, he came down with this, the, the more severe um, collarbone injury. You know, but we've watched, we've watched Kiza, we've watched, you know, Arturo Odonez, uh, these guys, you know, now to see what they're doing uh, with the Riverhounds. But, but really, Dom, we look all across all these former pit players out there, you know, Jasper Loffelson, especially with Real Salt Lake. I mean, it's just really impressive to see these guys really becoming high level professionals. I mean, did you, you go back, you saw them play when they were underclassmen at Pitt. Did you, did you envision, did you see this? Well, I mean, if you're good enough at the ACC level, you're probably gonna have a shot to make it at least in the USL. And I think, while Kiza and Ardonias haven't been able to get to that MLS level yet, I mean, Ardonias has been great for the Hounds. He's never time I've watched him. He's really commands that center back position and he does a great job defensively. Um, he's not afraid to make any tackle and he's, he scored twice. I saw him score twice. You know, he scored against uh, Las Vegas and then he scored against uh, Phoenix. I mean, he's not afraid to put his head on the ball and he works well with Canardo Forbes on those corner kicks and set pieces. So um, he's been a great part of that. And then Kiza, um, He's now a full-time player with the Hounds after being coming from loan from New England Revolution. Um, they selected him in the first round. Um, but yeah, I mean, Jay Vidovich has been building a great program at Pitt, and the players that have come and have succeeded at Pitt are now doing so at the professional level in the United States. I mean, we got to look at uh, Valentino L and Jackson Waltzy players. I mean, maybe people didn't think Waltzy might get drafted, but he did. He's with the uh, Austin FC2, I think, in the MLS Next Pro, which is where all the reserve teams from the USL Championship went. They now have their own league. Um and you have players like uh, Berton Jacassani, who's also in the Real Salt Lake setup. And then, you know, I'm pretty sure other players will probably find their way at some point as well. I mean, they they have they've been they've been great the last few seasons. And um, I mean, there's just going to be more players coming through, and we'll it won't be hard, long before we see a lot of MLS players that are former Pittsburgh Pitt players, and even maybe some Pitt players overseas in Europe or somewhere in South America. I mean, there's some they have a lot of great talent, so it's it's great to watch and um. It's it's I it's funny that I you know I come to Pitt and Vidovich comes and starts as head coach. I mean, I don't want to start pointing out connections, but I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's just been great to watch. Um, I guess as a Pitt fan, <laughs> it's I mean, and it's interesting too. We get to this point in the year. I'm segue kind of into the Pitt discussion here. I wanted to have with you too. This is the thing about Jay. His you know it's the complete opposite of Randy Waldrum who has his classes picked out like years ahead of time. Seems like these girls are committing and freshmen and sophomores. I mean, Jay, a lot of times we're still waiting. It's June 26th and we're still kind of waiting to see. I mean, I've seen a few names pop in here and there, but there hasn't been the full pit recruiting class announcement yet. We'll, we'll see it. And he'll always have some, some really great players uh, added to the current group. Um, and they did lose some some obviously these players that are playing at the next level already they lost a bunch of really good players but um i won't be i'm never surprised by what how they reload uh, at least in the uh recent jay vidovich era um it just but have you heard any rumblings or what, what's going on over there like who who we might be seeing in terms of new players coming in i know that again there's some some tra there's a lot that goes on um, with the transfer wind, uh, the transfer um, portal. I know they have some transfers coming in, but the one thing that if you don't know anything about Jay, he is a traveler. He loves travel and meet, meet kids across the world and particularly in Europe. Um, yeah. And it's really weird. It's like, where's the roster? <laughs> the, 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 the season starts in two months, <laughs> but I mean, 
this is what Jay does every season. You got to wait until like sometime in July until he'll have his full, full season or not full season. The, the schedule's out. We can talk about that in a minute, but the roster is not filled out yet. But I mean, they Pitt lost a lot of players from last season. I mean, we're talking about um, Joe Vandesar, son of Edwin Vandesar. He was great as a goalkeeper, just like his father. Um, Lucas Rosa, um, Giannis Learman defense, who's now part of uh, the Loudoun United setup. Um, look at Lucas Rosa is part of the Sporting Kansas City uh, reserve team as well. Um, we just talked about Berton Jacobson, Valentin Noel, and um, Jackson Walty. Um, Mohamed Abunadu didn't play as much as he suffered an injury. Um, Rodrigo Almeida, just those are just some players, and there's a lot of players in the uh starting lineup they're gonna have to replace. Um, they'll have Philip Merkovic back, which is good, but he, you know, he's just one player, and they'll, they'll need a lot more. Um, going forward for next season, but I'm excited to see who they bring in. And I mean, on the Instagram, they follow some of the new players, but I don't really know much about them. I'm gonna probably have to wait until that roster gets fully released because I don't think they even have all the players yet. So um, I'm excited to see it. I know you will too, John. Yeah, it'll be a whirlwind. It always is like August from like August 1st to September 1st, just getting to know this roster and learning about the players and things like that. Um, yeah, I think it'll be, it'll be, it'll be really, uh, really interesting as usual uh but uh, yeah i i'm i'm also kind of curious to say, i mean they just released the schedule so we know another thing is that they're not going to hide from anybody they're going to go out and play the best teams and you know that of course i mean that's what they're going to do yeah i mean marshall at home will be a big game um penn state to open the season i i if you are a Pitt fan i i can't imagine you want to be anywhere else august 24th thursday i mean that's not even that's before classes start. So if you're a student, I mean, get on out there. That's a big, big game. First game of the season at home. Um, they'll play Georgetown away. They played a home. I played at home this season, last season. So that was a that was a big game. I know you were there, John. Yeah. Um, I think of some other games that are gonna be big. Um, I mean, they'll play their AC, the AC Gauntlet. I mean, probably the best conference in um, uh, the the country. I mean, they'll play Syracuse, reigning national championship champions on the road. Um. They have Virginia at home, I think. I'm trying to think, but they had a lot. Of, I mean, they had a lot of great games. I can't think off the top of my head, but um, I mean, I think the Penn State game is going to be a great one, and that Marshall game too will be really, really fun to watch. Um, so yeah, definitely get down to Ambrose or Banning Field this season, not just for the men's soccer or the women's team too. There's going to be some, it's going to be some great soccer played at uh Pitt this season. So you definitely want to be there. I I know I will be. So <laughs> well, we'll definitely be tag teaming our way through the pit coverage, uh, especially between you and me. Um, I'm sure Rachel will help us with the women's team's coverage as well. Mark Goodman likes to help with the women's team's coverage too. So Pittsburgh soccer now will be all over it. Of course, Duquesne, I think will be just as good this year. I really believe uh, they didn't lose a whole lot and there's some senior leadership with that group. So um, but I do think Pitt losing a lot of seniors. I mean, I, it, it, again, I believe in the Jay Vitovich will will turn will have them at a, a very nationally um, elite level com- competitively. But to lose, I think Jackson Walty and Valentin Noel and Berton Jockison. I mean, that's that core right there. Plus, you know all the other players you mentioned it, it, that is that's tough that's that you know that winning culture a lot of those guys really helped develop it especially jack you wrote a great feature story on jackson jackson walty and i think he was a he's a good example of a player who too who you know kind of went under the radar but you know again like bob lily sees things in players i think jay also sees those types of things yeah, Jackson was a great player. I mean, most min- career minutes for Pitt. He played them for 2018 to 2023. And a big part of those three three straight Elite Eight appearances and two College Cup appearances. I mean, he, they're not making it there without him. I think a real captain, a real leader of a team. Great defensively. Can score a goal, but really was just making sure other players got what they needed. And he always was like the last man before the defense. That's how he liked to describe himself. And um, it's good to see him in the professional level. He really deserves a chance. I think he... Really, he really came. He came to pit as a walk on. A lot of people might not know that. Really came to pit as a walk on, and just he started. He played and started sixteen of his the first uh, of the nineteen games that he played in twenty eighteen as a freshman. So I mean, he really took his chance and just um kept proving to Jay he really deserved to be there. And he's probably one of the best players in pit program history. I don't think there's really any doubt about that. I mean, I wouldn't put him. I wouldn't. I would not forget Jackson Malti in my midfield if I was picking a top eleven or starting eleven for my uh all time pit 
team, or at least even just under Jay Vidovich. I mean, absolutely. I, I will say, I, I Pitt currently has 12 players listed on it. They do have a 2023 roster on their website. And they have 12 players listed. Uh, and so there are some core guys that I think that will be really great to see come back. I, I think the one player that was a freshman last year, I think that's going to, we're going to see that really goes to a whole nother level. And I mean, he came to Pitt with a lot of highly touted player and that's Jackson Gilman. I think he's, what will be interesting to see is if he lands in the middle of the back line or if they use him wide. Um, But Jackson Gilman is just an outstanding player. Uh, And then, so the returning players are, uh, you know, uh, Jackson Gilman, um, Fetosa, Guillaume uh, Fetosa is coming back. Um, And then Mateo Malfod is also coming back and Noah Hall, uh, Abraham Brown didn't play much last year. Lewis Samkow, who, who started to play a lot last year towards the end, uh, forward, uh, kind of in that bigger forward, a 6'3 guy. Um, and then Philip Merkovic, as we talked about. And he had the interesting summer experience. Uh, I would love, can't wait to talk to him about uh, the fact that he played in this, the soccer tournament the uh, with Wrexham, uh, which is, I, I just can't imagine what that was like. Uh, uh, for him, um, that, that that'll be a fun interview, whether you or I get a chance to talk to him about that. I might let you take that one, uh, John, but I mean, yeah, I was watching some of those games and it looked like a lot of fun. It was like a seven on seven tournament, I think in North Carolina, if I'm not mistaken, but obviously Wrexham, big story. They're finally back in the, the English uh, football league after being in the conference for, or just below it for a while now. Um, uh, Ryan Reynolds and, uh, I can't remember the other guy's name. He's in It's Always Sunny, but yeah, he, they both own the team. Oh, Rob McElhenney, I think that's his name. Um, mm-hmm. he, they both own the team and they, they've they helped cultivate an American fan base by just promoting their team and just having, you know, documentary on it. And I, I mean, they're not, I mean, to me, they have a lot of money in the team, but it is fun to see how much people get into English soccer. I think if that can translate to American soccer as well, that's always a great thing. And the Philip Merkovic, I mean, what a player. I mean, he, I think at one point he was leading like the assist per game in the NCAA. I mean, he's he's so amazing to watch on the ball. Just an incredible control, not a control freak, but like at least on the ball, he just has it. And like his dribbles are so amazing to watch because a lot of dribbles or first touches would go really far from players. And that's the him is just so controlled. Like every touch is like so close to him. And he's just, he can just rip a pass really quickly or just take a long shot if he has it has the audacity? Well, no, I guess I'm not audacity, but he'll, if he has the belief that he can score, he'll take it. And he he is a good he is great at scoring too. So he is absolutely the best player returning for for Pitt next season. He his health and um his play his play will be incredibly important if Pitt are to do anything like they did last season. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I agree wholeheartedly. And he's you know I was just talking about that the you know the, the having those carryover players who are part of this winning culture will. You know, Phillip's obviously going to be part of that. And what's interesting, too, and, you know, we will watch closely the two local kids, you know, the Evan McIntyre uh, to see if, you know, how he progresses. And, of course, Michael Sullivan, who's who's played a bit in his his previous two seasons. And to see where Mikey, uh, you know, ends up uh, this year. He's been playing with the um, Steel City FC uh, this summer and obviously, you know, keeping um, sharp uh, with with those competitive games, and it's really fun to see that Steel City, uh, Steel City FC at the NPSL level um, make their move. And the thing is, is they they, they very well finished the regular season um, in first place in the NPSL. But what's fascinating is if they advance far enough uh, in their playoff uh, in the NPSL playoffs, they can get an automatic berth in the uh, U.S. Open Cup. So that will be um, you know, that's another exciting thing that's going on here in Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh soccer. But um, but yeah, I, I really like to see uh, it'll be interesting to see how, you know, Mikey Sullivan and Evan McIntyre, you know, where they where they end up with this group. And we don't even know, like you said, we're just going to learn in the last, you know, August, early part of August. We're just going to learn about all these the new players Jay is bringing in. So that'll be that'll be really um, kind of a, we're in a wait and see mode, I guess, with that. Yeah, Michael Sullivan, you mentioned him. I'm, I'm pretty much a legend at Deer Lakes. Um, really responsible for how good that program was. And just, he's been good at Pitt, too. I mean, he's not just some Whitfield guy that, you know, oh, he's a local kid. I guess I'll sign him. No, he's been great. He's a big part of the team. And um, he scored the go-ahead goal against NC State in that um, ACC, in the ACC tournament. 
So they beat they beat them at home, which was nice. Um, but he's been a pretty good player. I mean, I would really like to see what he does in that attacking midfield position. I think that's exactly where he's suited. I think he can distribute, but he really is a great scorer. He's not really a forward like Louis Sam Cow is, but I mean, he is um, he is a very talented player, and it's great to see Western Pennsylvania players produce players that are good enough to play for Jay Vidovich and the Pitt Panthers right now. That's a really really um, impressive fact to see. I, I really love I love seeing that. I think any Western Pennsylvania soccer fan should love seeing that too. Well, we've gone this far into the podcast and we're about ready to wrap it up. But, Dom, I, I just wanted to say I really how much I appreciated your column uh, you wrote. Uh, it was shortly after the Hounds beat Columbus in the MLS and the, uh, the MLS side in the Open Cup. And, and you know, you said something that it's always been there in the back of my mind. I've written about this so many times, but you just came out and said it point blank. Like, we don't need MLS in Pittsburgh, you know, and I, I just I just uh, I think that was just. I'm just so glad you wrote that. And, and uh, I really appreciate that perspective because I think we that's kind of the way we all feel right now. You know, I mean, when the Highmark Stadium was first, first built, I think there was the opposite feeling. I think it was like everyone was like, no, we have to have an MLS team now. We got to build to this to this next level. But I think people are enjoying what we have. Yeah, I mean. I made a tweet. It was a bit of a joke, but it seemed to gain too much traction for my liking um, about how uh, the MLS is terrified of the USL and promotion relegation. And so I just, I thought about writing a pro rel column, but I was just like, you know what? That's been beaten to death. I've, I've written one about that when I was in college. It's just, I'd rather just enjoy the Riverhounds for what they bring and enjoy the USL for what it is. A lot of good teams and it's a lot of fun, a lot of dedicated fans across the country and you know, it's nice just being on the Monongahela River and watching a beautiful game and w- watching a beautiful game, watching a beautiful sunset and watching a train go by and watching people on the river. It's just it's a great it's a great atmosphere. It's a great setting for a soccer stadium. And um, the fans are great. And it really just translate throughout Western Pennsylvania soccer. We talked about Duquesne and they've been ranked last season and just watching. You know, I covered some of those Whippeal soccer championships and how happy everyone was at those and how contested they were and how many fans were there. It's a, it's a big deal. I mean, soccer is a big deal in Western Pennsylvania, and the MLS isn't a validation of that. It, re- it really is far more um, exterior in terms of what it actually what soccer actually means to a community. You don't need an MLS team or to join the MLS to prove that. I think pit fan, Pittsburgh sports fans are dedicated, and if you, especially if you're, if you're a winner and you're going to show like, fans that you're going to dedicate to win, you're dedicated to spending some money and showing how much fans mean to your team. I mean, people come to support anything. I mean, People didn't support pit soccer, but once they started to get good and gave people reason to come, people were there. It's not people might say that's bandwagon, but at the same time, there's so many comp- competing teams for people's interests. So you got to be good, but you got to care and you got to show the desire to win. And I think people throughout Western Pennsylvania are showing that throughout the sport of soccer. And it's been great to see from USL to high school and even below that. I, I think it's well said. And, you know, you're, you said what you wrote and I think that's, that's so true. And yeah, I like, think when you, when you look across the board, I mean, I started doing this, you know, and really started doing this. I've been involved in the soccer scene for a very long time here, but really started to just roll up my sleeves and get involved as in terms of being a journalist and covering the sport, because I felt like it just wasn't enough. Um, and just the other night I'm turning on channel 11. It was great to see one of our colleagues, Alan Saunders on their last word. And but he they had to wait till the end to talk about the Riverhounds. And it was just Alan talking about it, you know, and just that we we we've got to get some more of these media members to 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 know the game because I think they don't know the game enough to to, <laughs> to speak confidently and to want to talk about it and to cover the Riverhounds and things like that. I mean, I don't know. I just I it's a sore subject with me, but at the same time, I feel like at least we're doing our part to help, um, you know, to cover the game and to give the fans who deserve some sort of knowledgeable soccer writers and and, and media members covering the, the team. So um, I think it's getting there, but we're still, we still have work to do. Well, I mean, I think the great thing with just having web media is you're allowed to pretty much write, well, not anything, but pretty much cover whatever you want. And what you see, you deem what's important and you cover it. And that's what I've been doing not just with pit men's soccer. I mean, I do that with volleyball and yeah. wrestling and, uh, and other pit sports and pe- that people might overlook, but I mean, people care. People really care about other sports. They're, they're interested in like recruiting. They're interested in like things that other sites won't take a, a look at. And I think 
if I mean, this goes for anyone. If you're interested in writing about something, it's probably someone's probably going to want to read it, especially sports wise in Pittsburgh. I mean, people are interested about so many different things. I mean, high school to USL, it's really if there's a, you know, a gap or there's no real media coverage. I mean, don't be afraid to take a stab at something because people are interested in reading about soccer in this in the city. And there's no you got to start somewhere. So don't be afraid to start wherever you're at and just keep going and just. That's what I did. I mean, I, I'm, I didn't know everything when I started writing about soccer. It's more you just keep learning, keep reading, and keep observing, keep talking to coaches, see what they know, and then the writing gets better and the, the coverage and the reception gets better as well. So just um, I'm glad we do what we can, John, but we'll get there someday. No worries. We'll get it. <laughs> well, hey, if they can't find it there, they can find it at Pittsburgh. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> sports now because, like you said, you've been all over the place. I mean, the, the volleyball team, remarkable, the wrestling program. You know, there. It, this is well-deserved coverage, and you've been at the forefront of a lot of it. I, I just really applaud you. I appreciate everything you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Just if you want to read, and I'm keep, I'm gonna keep writing. That's absolutely in my wheelhouse. So I'll keep doing it. Absolutely, that's great. Great stuff. We'll keep it going. Pittsburgh sports now. Pittsburgh soccer now. Um, we really appreciate having you, uh, Dominic. So. There's so much uh, to look forward to in the coming weeks. We've got Louisville City coming in. Uh, probably look for more on uh, Pittsburgh Soccer now on that matchup. The uh, the Steel City FC, I think it's a great story. I think we're going to really step into that one a little bit more as they move forward and to have a potentially the USL, um, the NPSL playoffs. And then, of course, Randy Waldrum, uh, Nick um, um, Naya, um, Nigeria, Nigerian women's uh, head coach. Uh, I'm watching the gold cup and I'm getting all the country <laughs> from Nigeria, um, you know, women's team, Randy, and we'll be talking to Randy at some point in the next week or so looking forward to that. And, uh, you know, obviously he's going to come back and jump right into the women's team. And I'm sure they're in good hands with even, uh, to start training without him. Um, and it, there's just a lot on the plate for Pittsburgh soccer right now. And, and, uh, so now's the time for us to, to really gear up and uh, look forward to a lot more coverage in the in the weeks and uh, months to come. Dominic, we do anticipate having your uh, a little bit more help with the Riverhounds in the next month or so, and then of course you're going to have a lot on your plate with Pitt uh, as well. So, but I, I appreciate all you're doing for us to to help us out. No problem, John. The Riverhounds are important. I'm excited to see what Randy Walter can do with that Nigerian team at the World Cup in a few weeks' time. It'll be really interesting to see what they do. Got a good squad. We'll just see what he can do, what they can do. Absolutely. All right, Tom, it was great having you on. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon on Sounding Off on Soccer.